0: Hello and welcome to Troy Does the Games Pyeongchang, your dailyish update about the 2018 Winter Olympics going on in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Today I recap all the events from February 22nd and look ahead to the action on February 23rd. Oh, it was another good day for Team USA. Another good day for Team. Oh. God, that's going to make today's podcast so much easier. Uh, It was a bit of a rough day if you were Team Canada, but oh, was it a good day for Team USA. Uh, Okay, just like yesterday's podcast, I'm going to start things off by going back in time. Uh, And this time, I'm going to go back to something I said yesterday. Oh man, if the U.S. can win a gold medal in women's ice hockey or beat out canada in men's curling or even if michaela schifrin can come out with a gold or a silver medal in the combined that's a good day right i'm gonna be happy but uh we'll talk about it tomorrow if any of that happens oh keep going like this i'm gonna run out of dream harp sound effects to use or or i said or if any of those three things happens Oh, what about and? What about if all of them happen? Oh my God, they all happen. So, of course, that's what I'm talking about today. Uh, if you have a pulse, if you have access to the internet, of course, you know that the American women's hockey team finally, finally won the gold medal for the first time in 20 years, beating up on Team Canada in an intense, tense shootout match. Uh, also, the American Curlers. Beat Canada in the semifinals, they're gonna play for a gold medal. I just can't believe that. I'm gonna explain a little bit more about why that is so unlikely and incredible that the American Curlers, uh, led by John Schuster, are gonna play for a gold medal coming up here. And then Michaela Schifrin doesn't get the gold, but hey, I said if she wins a silver, I'll be happy. And you know what? She won a silver. And I'm happy. Uh, Lindsey Vaughn also had an exciting day. Didn't get any hardware, but she had an exciting day. So it was good TV for Team America. I think NBC must have been particularly delighted. There was some other action of the day, but let's just go right back to those big stories because that's all I want to talk about, really. Oh, ice hockey. Oh, man. I mean, it's probably well documented by now uh, that the American team has lost to Canada In the gold medal match for the last two Olympics, three of the last four, Canada has won the gold medal each of the last four Olympics, despite not being significantly better than the United States, and they've just had our number in this particular tournament. The U.S. women lost a heartbreaking overtime game to Canada in the Sochi Olympics in 2014, And this time it was another heartbreaking loss, but uh, the the switch was flipped this time, and the U.S. wins. I watched almost this entire uh, game while while at Pub Trivia, so I didn't catch every single moment of it. I actually missed the two Canadian goals, but I saw all the American goals. That last uh, third period equalizer was... Oh, my God, our bar just kind of erupted. It was so exciting. And uh, you knew once they equalized it, they were not going to give up. They were not going to let off of the jugular, and they didn't. It went into overtime. They played a full 20-minute overtime period, and uh, there was no score. But the U.S. totally dominated that overtime period. I mean, there was that little part of me that thought just because you you, you hold the puck for overtime almost all of the overtime doesn't mean you win right it's who can take advantage of a mistake when you know especially when you're skating four on four uh it's a lot easier to take advantage of a mistake and i just was was that that deep fear in my gut that the u.s was going to make one minor mistake and kind of throw it all down the drain that didn't happen uh, nobody scored so we we went to a shootoff and. Uh, After the first five skaters, it was still tied. Uh, And so we had to do that final, final, final sixth shootout, which was the decider. Um, If you haven't seen the highlights yet, you've got to see the incredible shootout goal. That move was sick. I mean, it it was some kind of crazy deacon comeback. And I was watching videos where they were interviewing her. She said the name of that move is Oops, I Did It Again. Uh, so a little, little Britney Spears nod there. And then the American goalie, obviously making the the critical stop to end the game. Uh, they, they flood the ice. The excitement is there. Obviously NBC or, or the Olympic broadcasting system, they, uh, they pan over to the Canadians and and show the agony of defeat, um, which I always hate. I hate that they, they show the losing team, but oh man, did they get to show the winning team and, and, uh, that's exciting. So the U S Uh, finally, first time in 20 years, they won the, the inaugural tournament in 1998 in Nagano. And finally they come back and win the gold medal in women's ice hockey. Well done to them. I'm so excited for them. I only wish our men had had that kind of success, but, uh, way to put it in the net Team USA. All right. Well, that maybe was, uh, an upset. Maybe, you know, we we were kind of favored, but, uh, This next result was definitely an upset, and that is the United States men's curling team beating out Team Canada in the playoff semifinals of the curling tournament. That guarantees the Americans a medal. They will get a gold or a silver medal, which will be the best result by an American curling team since since ever, right? Since curling was introduced to the Olympics also in 1998. And uh, I could do a little kind of a debrief of, of the event and blow by blow, but uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Basically, the simple version of it was we kept it close. We didn't take too many risks early on. The goal was to have it be tight um, when you get to the last few ends and to not give up any big mistakes to Canada. In fact, um, we were very close. I think in the fourth or the fifth end, we could have stolen four. Uh, were it not for uh, Canada, Skip, Kevin Cooey had to draw into the button to save them, to save them and, and and force the one. But had he messed up that shot, the U.S. would have scored four. That didn't happen then, but fast forward to the eighth end, and that kind of happened. Uh, the U.S. was sitting two. Canada had the last stone, and Skip, Kevin Cooey, whom I've been a fan of and I have, uh, said you know you got to watch out for him he's a really strong curler he is but uh he did not have a good game because in that eighth end he threw god four four, five feet short of the house i mean they were sweeping like crazy to try and get it there but he was just short and so the two stones for the u.s that were sitting there counted gave them a a, a steal uh, to make it 4-2 to the u.s going into the ninth end. And then one of my favorite strategic decisions of the entire match was the end of that ninth end. So how, how's this work? I'll, I'll try and explain this. Basically, Canada has a stone very close to the bullseye, to the button, the center of the house. So that stone is almost certainly going to count. But what the United States can do is throw a stone, take out that Canadian stone, but then they're just sitting kind of wide open in the middle of the house, and the Canadians might throw their last stone to peel that off, have no score count, and they maintain last throw advantage going into the final, the 10th end, right? So they'd go down by two, but they would have the last stone advantage. The other decision, and this is what John Schuster made, uh, which I love this decision, was rather than taking out the red stone for Canada, why don't we throw a draw and freeze our stone right up against theirs, but have ours be closer to the center. And what that does is it forces the Canadian Skip, Kevin Cooey, to try and take out our stone so they can score two. So by having a stone in the house that was frozen up against theirs, we guaranteed that they were going to have to score something for the end, right? They couldn't just blank the end and maintain the the last stone advantage. So we made him try and throw to score two. And our logic there was, if they tie it up, That's fine. We go into the final end with the last stone advantage. We still have the advantage. But if they don't tie it up, if he messes up this shot like you did in the previous end, if he messes up this shot, then we have a massive advantage. We'll go into the final end up by one and also with the hammer. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Kui threw the stone. It was not a bad throw, but we just made it really tough for him. And uh, they only scored one. He was not able to propel the U.S. stone far enough away from the center in order for them to count two. So the U.S. goes into the 10th end, up 4-3 to with the final stone, a massive advantage. And then we just played lockdown defense for that entire end. It still did, though, come down to a final throw, from Schuster, from John Schuster, where he just had to take out that stone and stick around. That was it. Hit it on the nose and just freeze right there. And uh, it's an easy shot. It's a layup. It's a free throw. But as you well know, when the pressure is on, sometimes people miss free throws. And John Schuster's been one to do it in the past in the Olympics, but this time he nailed it. All you heard after the throw was clean, 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 which means just make sure that the stone doesn't pick up any debris and go off course. It means it's good. It means we're good. If you just hear clean, 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 then then we're good. And and he did. Um, we scored that last point. So the final score was five to three. But more importantly, uh, we win the game and we move on to the to the gold medal match. Now, I have to take a second. And explain to you how unlikely this is and how incredible this is as a story. And this is based on the redemption of John Schuster. Okay, Schuster was on the bronze medal winning curling team for the United States at the 2006 Olympics. It's the only time that the U.S. has gotten a medal in curling at the Olympics. So he was on essentially the best ever Olympic team for the U.S. After the Olympics, though, he decides he's going to take his talents to South Beach. He decides to split off from the team, which is a controversial move, split off from the team and become the skip of his own team. So he essentially says, I want to be the quarterback. And it was pretty controversial within the curling world, but it actually proved to be successful for him in achieving his goal of wanting to skip a team at the Olympics but it didn't exactly go according to plan. He has been incredibly successful at winning Olympic trials. So his team did represent the U.S. at the 2010 Olympics and the 2014 Olympics and then now at the 2018 Olympics. But those previous two outings for him at the Olympics were disastrous. Absolutely disastrous. His 2010 appearance at the Olympics started off with four losses, and they benched him. They benched the captain of the team because he was throwing and shooting so poorly. And the team went on to get last in the tournament, 10th place at the Olympics in Vancouver. Then he comes back in 2014, earns the spot again to represent the United States with his team, and uh, they get ninth place. Just a really bad result. I mean, so much so that people would refer to messing up that last stone in there and as shoestering. Right, so this is a guy who's got this history, this weight on his back for you know the last basically eight years, eight to twelve years, just waiting for a moment of redemption, and then they come out to this tournament and start out two and four, right? And I think it's just flashing before his eyes. This is this is he is a world class curler, no question, one of if not the best American curlers in history, but he's just not in being able to get this Olympics monkey off of his back. And uh, this, they they looked at it, and they were two and four, and they just decided our backs are against the wall, and we got to do it. And they absolutely had to win out. They won those last three matches. Now they win <laughs> the semifinal match against Canada, and they're now Olympic medalists. They are now the most successful curling team in Olympic history from the United States. I, I mean, I just can't even begin to tell you how unlikely that is. But I think part of it is the secret sauce of that team, right? They've got three people, uh, Matt and Tyler and John, who are all capable of skipping and have skipped their own team right they're loud they have their own voices they talk feverishly about strategy and i love that you get to hear it because they're all mic'd up during the games and then you have lon Steiner, who's their lead who is as quiet as could be i don't think i've heard him say a single word but he's just old reliable throwing those first couple stones in each end right so there's some secret sauce there to that team I just, I can't tell you how exciting it is. I've gushed about it for 10 minutes and I still don't feel like I've explained to you the absurdity and incredibleness of this. Also, let let me just say before I move on, the Canadian team that we beat is no slouch, right? Canada, uh, Kevin Cooey has won the national championships in Canada, I think three times, at least two times. And Canada is the three-time defending gold medal champion in in this event right they won the gold in 2014 2010 and 2006 and they won the silver two times as well before that so they have been in the gold medal match i think almost if not every time that curling has been in the olympics and we beat them and they're gonna have to play for a bronze medal now massive massive upset and in my world i could not be more excited for these guys now they're in a uh, they're going to be in a gold medal match, and they're going to have to play Sweden. And this is not just any Sweden team. This is a Sweden team led by Niklas Edin, who is uh, been throwing lights out. He's a strategic genius. He is a world champion. He is, um, you know, he he is the big baddie here. Obviously, Canada. There's a lot of baggage in history there. You know, the U.S. gets only its second ever win against Canada in the Olympics uh, after the round robin win. But um, this is not a Sweden a Sweden team that you can sleep on by any stretch. They might even be just the best team bar none in in this tournament. Luck aside, but it does sort of feel like a Miracle on Ice moment where you know you beat the Soviets in the semifinals and you you gotta show up and win that gold medal match for it to really be validated. It it feels like it, but it's just not the same. The Sweden team is a big favorite coming in. He is capable of scoring multi-point ends. I think part of the U.S.'s change in strategy that's helped them win is they've locked down the aggressiveness on those ends where they don't have the hammer. So they've kind of stopped giving up those three- and four-point ends that were killing them earlier on in the tournament. We'll see if uh, Niklas can can cause them to... To, to make some more mistakes. I don't think the U.S. is favored coming in. I think even if they lose, it's a grand accomplishment, to say the least. But the U.S. is not favored coming in, but they can win, right? It's any given Sunday. Curling is one of those any given Sunday sports. So, all right, I've gushed about it enough. Let's move on. We also had the downhill and slalom combined event for the women in alpine skiing. I talked yesterday about how Michaela Schifrin and Lindsey Vonn were going to be the American leads on this. I didn't mention yesterday, but I probably should have, and this might be clear if you watched the coverage, but Lindsay and Michaela are on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to their skills in this event. Lindsay is a downhill specialist. Her goal is to get down the mountain as fast as possible, basically controlled falling. Michaela is a slalom specialist. She knows how to do those tight turns, and she can somehow find a one-second or two-second advantage in the context of doing six turns around teeny tiny poles going down a slalom run. Uh, So this ended up kind of shaping out about how I expected, which is after the downhill portion of the competition, Lindsay Vaughn was in first place. And she had a very big lead. Michaela was around 6th, which was a pretty good result for her, given she is not a downhill specialist. And there were really only, you know, one or two people around her who had the slalom skills to beat her. Uh, slalom, you know, it, it doesn't matter how fast you get down the hill and the downhill, you still got to do well in the slalom. And we definitely saw that with Lindsay's run. So l- let's talk about that. In the slalom section, Lindsay Vaughn did miss a gate, and she did not finish. Um, now, I kind of predicted that. I didn't predict it on the podcast, but I was talking to some other people beforehand, and I said that was going to happen. And it's because she doesn't do the slalom. Lindsay does not race the slalom at all, really, on the World Cup circuit. I, I think she has not... Done the slalom on the World Cup in like four, four years, something like that, and was just kind of relying on muscle memory. And uh, let me tell you, like, that is <laughs> it's not an Olympic medal winning uh, strategy. Now, l- l- let's be clear again. She, I think, did this event knowing. That it was an uphill battle, no pun intended, right? She knew that she was going to need some luck in order to finish that slalom run and to finish in medal contention with it. But, you know, she went out there and she tried her best. And how many other opportunities do you have to get a medal in the Olympics, right? So it didn't hurt her at all to go for it. But I think even she had to know that finishing a slalom run, let alone winning a medal after that slalom run, was pretty unlikely um so lindsey vaughn does not finish despite having the lead after the downhill portion uh michaela schifrin ends up getting the silver medal she was just too far behind in the downhill portion and even though she had a good run in the slalom portion it She wasn't as aggressive as maybe she could have been or should have been. And I think it's because she was just trying to protect her metal spot. The gold ended up going to Michelle Giesen from Switzerland. Uh, She was just slightly ahead of Michaela in the downhill portion and slightly behind Michaela in the slalom portion. And combine that together, as the event is called, and she ends up with the gold medal. The bronze medal went to Wendy Holdner from Switzerland, who I thought was more likely to beat Michaela for uh, for the gold. Uh, But either way, Michaela ends up in a uh, a sandwich between the Swiss ladies She does get a silver medal, which is a great result for her I'm super excited It should not be looked at as any sort of failure whatsoever Uh, Again, like I said yesterday, any Olympic medal I think is an accomplishment we did get another American gold and I didn't talk about it mostly cuz I didn't watch that much of it. But David Wise won the men's ski halfpipe with a silver medal to Alex Ferreira, both from the United States. You got a bronze medal to New Zealand's Nico Portius. That is only the second, well kind of the third medal for New Zealand in the Winter Olympics. Um in another event I'm going to talk about in a second, New Zealand also got a bronze medal. So in in one day they got twice as many medals as they had through the entire last 100 years. Uh, so kudos to New Zealand on that. But obviously the lead is that an American won the gold. David Wise, the defending Olympic champion in men's ski halfpipe. And then Ferreira uh, got the silver medal. Both of them were super stoked and excited. I, I'm i sold on the ski halfpipe for the men. I, I think it is good. It is interesting. I know it's, I said it's more made for snowboard than uh, than for skis, but they, their, their winning runs were pretty interesting, so I'm, I'm I'm pretty sold on it. That's about the sum total of the success for Team USA yesterday, but there were some other interesting results. In the men's slalom, the odds-on favorite Marcel Hersher, who has won multiple, multiple seasons of uh, slalom and giant slalom in the World Cup circuit and uh, is the reigning gold medalist in giant slalom and the combined, he's a real slalom specialist, does not finish after the first run. He he misses a gate. He messes up. He just was out of sorts from the beginning. Does not finish. Opens up the top of the podium. And after that first run, it looked like the Norwegian Kristofferson, who had been the bridesmaid to Hersher earlier in this Olympics and at the Sochi Olympics, you thought, oh man, this is finally his chance to get the gold medal. He's in the lead after the first run. And then in the second run, misses a gate. So, oh my God. Christopherson does not get a medal. The gold goes to Andre Meyer of Sweden. The silver to Ramon Zimhausern of Switzerland. And the bronze to Michael Mott, who was also a favorite coming in, Mott from Austria. In the biathlon, we had the women's 4x6 kilometer relay. As promised, this was an exciting race to watch. I'm not going to do a full blow-by-blow here, uh, but blow was the operative word here, the wind was going crazy. For the first two legs of the race, the wind conditions were so bad that when they got to the range, the athletes were basically standing over the targets i mean 30 seconds at least in one instance i i i mean i just couldn't believe it and and they were missing shots left and right which made for some incredible lead changes and made uh for the potential for some come from behind results uh again with the four by six kilometer relay you've got four women Doing three laps with two rounds of shooting in between, so there were eight rounds of shooting in inclement weather. Uh, whoa, things got topsy turvy. I mean, after the third leg, Poland was leading. Poland, like who? Who that? But they they were leading. They ended up not getting a medal at all because you know you, you can't be that consistent. The U.S. was leading after the first segment, uh, but we again, ugh, I feel like we're just one. Good female biathlete away from being in medal contention and this kind of stuff like we need our jesse diggins who can shoot a rifle so the u.s does not have a good result the gold went to belarus and you knew it was going to happen by the end of the third leg they hand off to multi-gold medalist daria domracheva the same daria domracheva who's married to oleiner björndalen the most decorated biathlete in history the same Darya Domracheva who had a rough start to the Olympics but came back and got a silver medal and then her own gold medal. Now, I mean, she wasn't going to lose. You just knew Daria was not going to lose. Uh, the bronze medal went to France, but the silver medal went to Sweden. That was my prediction of who would win this race. Now, I got to tell you, after, after the first two legs of this race, I thought, oh, I messed this one up. Because Sweden was a full minute and a half behind. They were in like 11th place. But enough people ahead of them made mistakes. And you hand things over to Hannah Oberg. And she had an amazing final run. She picked up the baton in 9th place. I say the baton. They don't actually have a baton. But still. She got handed over in 9th place. After the first shooting section, she was still in 8th place. But after the second shooting section, she was in third, and then in that last lap, she was able to pass France and end up with the silver medal. I can't say enough about Hannah Oberg and the Sweden team for pulling out a gutsy, gutsy silver in the women's 4x6 kilometer relay in biathlon. I talked about curling. U.S. obviously beat Canada. I said we're going to play against Sweden, which means they had to beat someone in the semifinal. They did beat Switzerland nine to three. Switzerland had won earlier in the tiebreaker between uh, Switzerland and Great Britain with a ridiculous, ridiculous last end. In order to beat Great Britain, they scored five points in the last end. They came into the last end down by one. And they scored five in order to win nine to five. You you need to see the video of that last end of that last shot in particular. It's incredible. Switzerland against Great Britain that tiebreaker. Oh, it was ridiculous. So in curling, we're gonna have Sweden against the United States in the gold medal match. Canada against Switzerland in the bronze medal match. Uh, in the Nordic combined, we saw Germany win the gold. Norway won the silver. Austria won the bronze. No surprises there. These are the teams that were good at ski jump, and they're good enough at cross country skiing. Obviously, Norway is much better, but they're good enough at cross country skiing. Um, but the team event in the Nordic combined went about as expected, and in uh, short track speed skating, some things went about as expected, and some things really didn't. Uh, in the men's 500 meters, Wu Da Jing wins the gold medal. The silver goes to the Korean Huang Dae Hon, and the bronze went to Lim Hyo of Korea. You, you expect that the Koreans are favored in short track in just about any distance men or women but Wu Da Jing sets a world record in in this competition at the 500 meters he was not going to be beat just no one was going to beat him so Wu Da Jing comes out there and says give me my gold medal damn it and uh and he gets it in the women's 1000 meters though uh we had the the Dutch eking their way into short track uh Suzanne Schulting gets the gold medal. The silver medal went to Kim Butan, which means I think she got a medal in every single individual distance in short track. Kim Butan from Canada gets the silver medal with the bronze medal to Ariana Fontana of Italy. She gets her second medal of these Olympics. The story of that race was the two Koreans took each other out in the final. Shim Soo took out Choi Min Jong. Both of them were in the back of the pack, so they would have had to make a last second move, but we've seen it before from both of them, in particular from Choi. Um, so they took each other out, all of Korea was despondent, and that meant the three non-Koreans got the medals, Schulting, Bhutan and Fontana. And then finally, speaking of Korea being despondent, oh, the men's 5,000 meters relay, the gold medal goes to Hungary. I've talked about the Liu brothers. They have been driving Hungary to success in the Short track program. They were aided in this A-final by the fact that Korea just fell. Like, they didn't get pushed over. They didn't trip over anyone. They just lost an edge. I don't know which Korean skater it was, but they uh, they lost an edge about two-thirds of the way through the race and just were never able to catch up. What that meant is Hungary took the gold medal, the silver medal went to People's Republic of China, and the bronze medal went to the Canadian team. So uh, Charles Hamlin and Samuel Girard get more medals to add to their... Uh, had to their haul over the past couple of Olympics. That in short track, man, I'm excited for it to come back. I really hope the U.S. can find some new skaters for, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the skaters we have, but four years from now, they're going to be new. We really need to find some more success. John Henry Kruger gets the only medal for the U.S., a silver, and we, we should be doing better. I mean, there's no reason that we can't have athletes vying for the top medals in that sport. But vying for top medals in a sport is something we do well in snowboard, and uh, we got one of them. Uh, Jamie Anderson, the gold medalist from the snowboard slope style, gets a silver medal now in the ladies' big air. And uh, I thought she was going to get the gold. It came all the way down to the last run. Anna Gasser from Austria comes out and drops, uh, I think, a 97 in order to uh, just beat out Jamie Anderson for the gold medal. And then the bronze, as I mentioned, New Zealand, uh, only one one Olympic medal coming into these Olympics in the Winter Olympics. Uh, the, they get two today, another bronze medal from Sadowski sanat So exciting for them. Uh, the ladies, big air competition, the first one ever. And then- okay. It was okay. I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll see how I feel about the event after I watch the men's big air competition coming up. I think that covers all the action for February 22nd. Let's look ahead for what to expect on February 23rd. The highlight of today's action is going to be the conclusion of the ladies figure skating competition. So we have the free skate portion of figure skating, and I think we got 20 women skating. So a whole bunch of figure skating coming up. We've got the three Americans, Karen Chen, Brady Tonell, and Mirai Nagasu, all going about two-thirds of the way through the program. Uh, Looks like Karen's going to skate 14th, Brady 15th, and Mirai 18th. So I would uh, check in with that. Once the Americans start, pretty much everyone after them should be interesting. After Mirai, we've got six women, all of whom could win medals, with obviously the uh, top two being the much-discussed Russians, Alina Zagatova and Evgenia Medvedeva. As I said previously, whichever of them makes a mistake in the long program is going to get a silver medal. And whichever of them skates clean is going to get a gold medal. If they both skate clean, I think they're going to give it to Zagatova. In the biathlon, we've got the men's relay, the four by seven and a half kilometer relay. I'm going to say who's favorite in this. I think the Norwegians are favorite in this, as are the Germans. The US, uh, I don't think is necessarily in metal contention per se, but if you get as much wind action as we had uh, in the women's relay, I I could see anything happening. So, you know, the US could wake up and uh, maybe find itself a bronze medal. That would be fun. That would be the most... Unexpected medal, maybe outside of curling. Speaking of curling, we've got the bronze medal game for the men's tournament, so Canada against Switzerland, and then we have the semifinals of the women's tournament. I haven't talked much about it because the US and Canada both lost and didn't move on, but it should shape up for a really exciting semifinal. Korea comes out as the top seed from the round robin. They play against Japan, who was the fourth seed, and then Sweden will play against Great Britain. I think I got a cheer for Great Britain on this one. Eve Muirhead, who's the skip for Great Britain. She's just really interesting to watch. She seems to make some good tactical decisions. They've had some throwing mistakes <laughs> as documented on this podcast before. But Great Britain gonna try and beat out Sweden. Those are both gonna be really late night games, so I don't imagine anyone would watch. Watch it. Uh, we've got the Ladies Ski Cross, the whole run of that. Again, that's the BMX-style skiing down the mountain, four skiers at a time. There's going to be a whole bunch of that. Eighth finals, quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. Ice hockey, we've got the semifinal playoffs. Uh, so Czech Republic against Olympic athletes from Russia and Canada against Germany. With the U.S. out of it, I'm unlikely to watch much of it. I might watch the Canada game, but again, that's going to be really late night. And I've had a couple late nights in a row now. Uh, I have to expect that Russia and Canada will win both of these games and uh, face off in a gold medal match. In speed skating, they have the men's 1000 meters. Uh, The Dutch are favored in this one again. Uh, The U.S.'s best bet is probably still Shawnee Davis. But he is, I don't think, at the same form that he was when he won golds at the previous Olympics. So I think you got to expect another Dutch gold medal here. All right, I think that's everything. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it, there's not too many days left of the Olympics, but you can still subscribe because I'm going to do a few things after the Olympics are done. So you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store or on Stitcher or probably anywhere that you get podcasts. You could probably find me. You can always Google Troy Does the Games. You can also email TroyDoesTheGames at gmail.com. Send me any questions, any feedback, any thoughts. Uh, If you just have questions about the Olympics or the podcast or want to share your opinions, let me know. You can also reach me on Twitter. I'm at Troy Steinmetz. That's at T-R-O-Y-S-T-E-I-N-M-E-T-Z. As always, thanks for coming along the ride with me, and I will talk to you tomorrow.